Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. Today's episode is brought to you by Wise, the account that helps you manage your money around the world, which is huge for travelers. I've been a customer and a fan for 10 years. The Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, and they do it all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This service has been so critical for me in my life as a traveler, as a nomad, as somebody living abroad, and you can join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account can help you out on the road at wise.com slash travel. That's wise, W-I-S-E dot com slash travel, or download the app. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Travel is a wonderful world. Talk about an industry that's just great. I mean, it's all these people that really we all end up having to deal with commerce, for lack of a better term. We have to pay our bills. But at the heart of it, it is about this transformation. It's about what travel does to us. It's this lifelong learning, empathy, all those things is what it's about. That was Greg Sullivan sharing a little bit about his love for travel and working in the travel industry. Greg is the co-founder and CEO of Afar, which is an award-winning travel media brand. If you haven't been to afar.com, I encourage you to check them out. Did a recent collaboration with them on their podcast, Unpacked, where we published my interview series with Tom Tursich, who walked around the world. And I thought since that was going live around this time, it would be cool to invite Greg on the show to get his take on the state of travel, some of the roles and responsibilities of travel media. And one of the core values over at Afar is this idea that travel is a force for good. So I wanted to ask him what that means to him, why he believes that, why that is a foundation for the work that they do over at Afar. And of course, we do a destination dive. I wanted to get his advice on some of the places we should consider visiting now before they get too crowded. You're going to hear all of that and much more in the interview segment today. I hope you enjoy listening in on the conversation. And if you'd like, please stick around on the back end of that interview segment. I'll share my favorite takeaway from this conversation with Greg. And it's one that can certainly change your travel experience on the ground, plus I'll leave you with a wonderful quote that sums up this entire episode. Let's get into it, shall we? Buckle up, strap in. Thanks for being here. And welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey, it's Jason here with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms, no matter what your situation or experience. Thank you so much for tuning in, for being a part of this community, and I'm excited to bring you today's show. We've got Greg Sullivan, the co-founder and CEO of Afar. They do some incredible work over there, and Greg has also had a lot of success in business. He's obviously built this huge travel media company, 
So I do a little segment in this interview where I ask for his best advice on working in the travel industry, remote working, and some various topics around that. So that's also a part of this. I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. I hope you do. Stick around on the back end. Don't forget, I'm going to share my number one travel takeaway from this chat. And I've got a little public service announcement for you. One way you can avoid missing out on free travel. I'll share that on the back end. Now, without further ado, let's slip and slide into this conversation with Greg Sullivan. And I will see you on the other side, my friend. I'm on the line with Greg Sullivan, the co-founder and CEO of Afar, which is an award-winning travel media brand working to make a positive impact on the world through high-quality storytelling that inspires, empowers, and enriches travelers who care. I've been a subscriber of the magazine. I've been on the email list for a long time. Anyway, it's a thrill to have you here. Welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. Well, thank you so much, Jason. Thanks for having me. Look forward to chatting with you. Is this your first podcast? It is. It is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how you know what? How did they talk you into it? It was just like this guy, Jason. He's he's okay. He won't be too hard on you. <laughs> yeah, Aislin told me how great you were, and I was like, I, "Well, I'm sure he is, but why does he want to talk to me? Shouldn't he talk to <laughs> Julia or Joe or one of our other great people?" I don't know. I think you got some <laughs> stories to share, man. I, I just have, I have a feeling. So you are in New York right now, right? That's correct. I okay. relocated here last year. From San Francisco. Yep. Where did you grow up? Tulsa, Oklahoma. Really? Okay. Yeah. I, I spent a lot of time in Tulsa, actually. Come on. Nobody no, ever Oklahoma, says Oklahoma that. Oklahoma City is where I spent the most time, actually. Okay. Oklahoma's a bit of like a hidden gem, I feel. It, it, it can be, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so did you move out to San Francisco um, I actually, I went away to school and then I, uh, after school, I ended up in Arizona for many years, 20 years or so. And then I went to San Francisco. Okay. Like looking at your career trajectory, I, I kind of tried to follow it through LinkedIn. It was law school. And then you had this national sports games company that turned into drive time automotive group. Sounds like that was a big car retailer and finance company. So all this stuff is like completely seemingly unrelated to travel. And then if if I've got my chronology correct, it looks like you stopped everything to go study philosophy. <laughs> is that is that right? Yeah, that, that's pretty much true. Yeah. Okay. My, uh, yeah. I mean, you missed a couple things before the before the games business, but yeah. And then I went uh, after, after the after the car company, I I actually went to school in Cambridge in England for a for a summer, just kind of as a lark, and I loved it. And I thought, you know what, this would be a cool thing to do. So I went back to school full time to study ethics. Really, was my main focus for three years, and I actually ended up teaching law and ethics too at Arizona State. How old were you when you went to Cambridge? I'd say forty-five, roughly. Okay. So yeah. was that your first study abroad experience? Yes, yes, I had, yeah. Uh, yeah, I had not done that. That was really cool. It was really awakening. It was great. In in what ways? Well, I mean, it was <laughs> it was kind of that and a lot. I mean, I actually, I used to say I used to travel generally. Well, I mean, I came to travel pretty late, but when I did, I 
I generally would go for activities, you know, for skiing or scuba diving or hiking or golfing or, you know, all those kinds of things. Uh, that's what I did in my early life. And then as I got older I, uh, and had a little more time, and especially, like I say, with the going to school and you had the time <laughs> of, uh, you know, of, of nine months a year in school and the other time a little free. So I would do some more serious traveling and I would, you know, go sometimes with a deep commitment to do like a volunteer activity in South Africa, or I would go on a sporadic trip and just kind of go and just kind of go for with an open-ended, like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'll just figure it out when I get there approach. And I would do both those. And, and uh, they did kind of change the way I looked at the world and at myself. I mean, we've had many guests who have been transformed by a study abroad experience, but you may be the first one that was having that experience at, at such an older age. And still that, that was transformative to you. I mean, it's just, I think it's just a great reminder that there's no limit on transformation. Sadly, I think there's a lot of ageism in, in the States. And we think about these things, we often think about, you know, it's going to be associated with younger people studying abroad. But I mean, you can do these things at any age. Yeah, well, hopefully. Hopefully we're always <laughs> open to change. That's part of the idea, right? <laughs> <laughs> Why did you sort of drop everything to go study philosophy? Was that, was that an intentional career break? Were you burnt out? Like, what was going on in your life at the time? Yeah, I mean, I had I'd been very lucky in business. I'd, you know, honestly made more money than I ever expected to, and uh, I was just like, hmm, now what? Now what? I mean, at first, honestly, the the trip to Cambridge was really I I studied I studied science, I studied math. I mean, it really wasn't that 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 actually is what exposed me to like, oh, you know what? Why not, you know rather than just study lots of things. I was like, you know, I really want to think about, you know, values and ethics and what it's all about and what's living a good life like and how do we how do we help make the world a better place and all those kinds of things. And I thought, you know what, what a chance I've, I've you know, why don't I go back and do that for a concentrated period of time and, you know, go to school as a format for doing that. And it was, it was amazing. It was a real blessing. But what brought you to that kind of point where you were pondering that so much that you wanted to actually dive in and spend, you know, months of your life studying and learning. <laughs> I was raised in a very, very religious family. And, and, uh, I suppose in college, I honestly kind of stepped back from religion and, and, uh, went about a more secular life, I guess, for lack of a better term. And, and I had a lot of my friends and family be confused at that you know, like, gosh, Greg, how can your life, you know, have a rudder without religion? I thought I had answers to that in my own mind, but I, I guess I, like I say, when I had time, I wanted to really think about that <laughs> and just think about it more than just casually, but, um, you know, in a bit of con concentrated way. And so, yeah, I wanted to think about, you know, how do we get our values? What do they mean? Um, what, you know, how are we going to also like, how are we going to address the changing world that is like changing at a pace that we've never seen and, and with problems we've never seen. And so I thought, you know, well, anyway, let's, let's try to think about that. What kind of conclusions did you come to? I mean, I really came to a belief that, that, you know, in general society has, 
or, or communities have come up with answers to how we, you know, basically like, you know, humans, <laughs> this is getting a little off the path, right? but uh, there is humans, no path. This is a podcast. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> you know, I think, I think, you know, obviously, you know, it's a, and you know, it's the world is a little bit survival of the fittest. Right. And so humans have their selfish drive, which is very important, but communities give us the like, Oh, it's not just about us. It's about the good of the community. And so communities basically came up with ethical guidelines to make the community successful, uh, not just the individuals in the community successful. And, and so those generally were where most of our ethical traditions came from. Usually in the form came from our religions that, and um, those were great. And they, you know, the most successful religions, the most successful ethical uh, traditions created successful communities that grew and, you know, largely dominated the world, which were, which are great. Uh, but most of those ethical traditions were created thousands of years ago. <laughs> they're, they're great for solving the problems of their time, but I'm not so sure they necessarily applied to, you know, at least wholeheartedly and completely to problems we face today. And, and I think we have to keep evolving and, you know, coming up with answers that are best based off of the circumstances today. And, and I, you know, and I, that's actually why I came to believe in travel. <laughs> you know, I tried to teach ethics <laughs> to college students and I felt like they kind of look at me, you know, like I had three heads and I, and I, and I was just, gosh, if we get these, these students out really understanding other people and cultures and understanding how all these places, people are trying to come up with the best answers based off of their life circumstances. Um, that's the best teacher of all, I think. Yeah. Did you ever come back to religion in some way or did you find another sort of path for yourself or, or was that just, did you kind of just keep going in the other direction? By the way, actually it's funny you say that. I, I got within six credits of getting my master's in philosophy and I stopped. I mean, I'm 40 at this time, I'm 47 years old. I don't, what am I going to do with a master's? And I actually switched to religious studies. I'm a big believer. Religion has a lot of value community. Um, you know, it does provide an ethical basis. Uh, I mean, I'm not personally, you know, a member of a real, you know, a religious, but I, I, a huge believer in the value of it. Yeah. So what would you say are your core values as an individual? Wow. <laughs> I don't think anybody's asked me. Is this that too long. early for these types of <laughs> questions? <laughs> um, it is about, to me, you know, you want to treat, I mean, the, the golden rule, treat others as you'd like to be treated is certainly a, a, a good, solid basis. Being open-minded and empathetic to other people is, you know, at the core. I mean, those things are at the core of it, I suppose. And, 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 Try to live your life in a way that makes your life feel good to yourself and is hopefully makes the world a better place. The empathy is, you know, seeing the images on TV, let's say, for a, for a campaign or a drive or something versus actually being in a country and seeing poverty, really taking it in with all of your senses. Travel in that way, really, it can't help but kind of just make you more aware and whether that increases your empathy or not, I don't know, but I do believe that it can't hurt. 
<laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I would hope it does. I mean, I, there's something w interesting that I think happens when you end up in a place that's completely unfamiliar to you. You look with fresh eyes and you'll see many things that, you know, you could probably, you could see in your hometown, but you see them differently because you are in a different place. And yeah, you, you will, uh, hopefully you do it with a more open mind and, you know, more curious. That's big in creating empathy, you know, seeing how we're different, seeing how we're the same. Um, you know, it, I, I, I hope it decreases it, the number of people you feel bad, you know, you feel like our enemies <laughs> in the world and think that we're all kind of just trying our best and trying to solve the problems the best we can. You mentioned when you were talking about studying one, one of the things was what does it mean to be to live a happy life did you answer that question for yourself i mean yes i mean to me it, it to me it really is it's, it's a journey keep keep trying to keep your mind open and and keep trying to explore and and see what moves you and 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 i, I mean i don't i i think it is constantly evolving i mean you studied philosophy what is reality man I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I am a, I am a. I mean, at the end of the day, I am, a, I am a relativist. I, I do believe that we keep figuring those. I think we keep trying to figure out the best answer based off what we know now. Yeah. Do you look at this period of your life as a break from, you know, after you left, let's call it the corporate world and the companies you'd you'd built and been involved with? And then you took this time, it sounds like for yourself, to explore and to learn and to have these different types of experiences outside of the experiences that you had had in the business world. Was there an intentional amount of time that you were going to spend doing that? Or was it open-ended? This is leading to like, how did this all circle back to then getting back into the business world and, and starting afar and everything that you've done since? Yeah. Um, no, it was totally open-ended. Yeah, I had no idea. In fact, that 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 was both very uncomfortable, you know, as somebody pretty driven, type A personality and all that, all of a sudden like to go, hmm, what do, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. But that's also very freeing, you know, and, and you're like, okay. And so I had no idea if I was ever going to work again or anything. I guess if I probably would have I don't know. I had no, I had no idea. I actually did also join like a country club, tried to play golf and like, well, no, that I, I quickly decided that wasn't the life I wanted. I, you know, I was at school. I got, like I said, volunteered all those things. No, with no insight. And coincidentally, you know, so I, I met Joe Diaz, who's the co-founder of Afar. I actually met him when I was still at the car company, actually. He was a Teach for America program. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's kind of, they get people out of great schools to spend their first two or three years of their career uh, at, at underfunded public schools to help our education system. And Joe was a teacher in South Phoenix and uh, Spanish speaking neighborhood. And uh, our company used to, every dealership adopted a public school and the home office adopted uh, Joe's school. And I was a volunteer in his classroom. And this all happened. And then, you know, I, then I, when I went away to go to Cambridge and then I came back and when it enrolled in school. And so we had the similar timeframes and we started traveling together because we both had 
kind of school hours for lack of a better term. And, uh, we'd done a trip to South America. We did a trip to India and, you know, we both kind of were in this mindset of like, wow, especially this trip to India was just transformative. And we're like, wow, what a great thing to do with our lives. Try to help inspire people to get out of their comfort zones and look at other people and perspectives and take that as a way to enrich their own life and grow. Um, what a great thing to do. So we just said, what the heck? Let's try it. We're going to start this media company Yeah. <laughs> yeah so <laughs> in travel. We, yeah, I mean, worst we, case scenario is you're just around travel all the time, right? Even if it doesn't work. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we came back and bought, um, how to for how to start a magazine books and <laughs> yeah just just said all right let's let's see how this goes and yeah here we are 14 years later and we're still doing it wow i mean congrats i i, I wanted to hear a bit more about the the trip to india you mentioned that as particularly being like that one specifically i should say being a transformative trip for you what why what what happened there what did you experience well india is is just such a amazing place. I don't know if you've ever been there, but um, we we went there. All we had was a flight into uh, Delhi, and we had a flight out of Mumbai six weeks later with zero hotel reservations, zero plans. And <laughs> um, we just landed and started talking to people and kind of going, what should we do? You know, like I say, back to India itself. I mean, it's got so many contrasts. It's got amazing, you know, goes its history is very apparent, goes back thousands of years, but it's also has modernity ha changing the place at an amazing pace. It has um, some of the most beautiful uh, palaces that you'll ever see and has abject poverty uh, staring you in the face. It has you know, beautiful smells of rose petals and it has, you know, horrible smells of slums. And, uh, you know, it just, it has it all, you know, it has it all. And it just is just, it's a, it's a, it hits you in the face, hits you in the nose, hits you in the ears everywhere. It's just, uh, stimulating in, in every way. And, uh, like I say, we just met people and they would let us in their, into their lives for whatever reason. And yeah, it's just like, wow. <laughs> and, um, so that was, it was just hit us in all the senses and we would, you know, we were, we actually ended up in an ashram. We ended up at a school. We ended up at so many different places. And, um, at the end of it, we were in Goa, which is in some sense, maybe the least Indian part of India. And uh, we're just reflecting on it on a beach afterwards and like, wow, this was really cool. How do we, how do we help inspire other people to do something like this? Mm. How long was the trip? Six weeks. Yeah. Okay. It was just a pretty good Liberty. Amazing that we were able to do that. So really at the end of it was, that's where the idea you guys started taking it seriously. Oh, yeah. It was, it was kind of like that's right where it was born on the beach drinking, in Goa. Drinking Kingfisher beer and yeah. And then like I say, we it's funny, we had lost all our luggage at the beginning of the trip and uh, we got back to Arizona and our luggage was on my front porch. Um, 
<laughs> and uh, you know, we had had to get clothes made in India and all that kind of stuff. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Change the relationship to your uh, possessions, right? You're like, well, I, I guess too. I didn't really need this, uh, <laughs> this, this backpack or suitcase after all. Yeah, I know it's true. <laughs> it was a huge backpack, you know, huge backpack we bought just for the trip and all that, and <laughs> it's just on the porch when you get home. Like, oh, I guess I didn't need all that stuff. So when you guys started up, what did that look like? Were you bootstrapping? Was it funded? I'm just curious how you go from an idea and, and four books on how to start a magazine to building what you've built. Um, yeah, no, we, I mean, uh, fortunately, we've been funded all ourselves. Uh, have one friend that's also in it. Uh, and no, we just came back. We what we actually reached out to one of the authors of one of those textbooks and uh and went and met him he he's here in new york uh he actually was helped help start playboy magazine believe it or not <laughs> and uh we just we just reached out to all kinds of people and said gosh what are we doing uh what do you think and and build a business plan and 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 uh recruited people that fortunately you know that that did know more about the media business than Joe and I, and uh, had many people like, wow, yes, I think this is a great vision. How do we, how can I help? seems like you were in the position to not have to work again if you didn't want to. Correct. Yet you chose to take all the risk and do it all again. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Believe me, there was a part of me. It's like, gosh, <laughs> do I really want to do this? And this is crazy. <laughs> Uh, believe me, even in, you know, by the way, 2008, two, there's two things, of course, by the way, magazines are not a, even in two, even 2008 magazines were not viewed as the up and coming new, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. We're Let's not all viewed start a as magazine. a great investment opportunity. <laughs> and two, 2008, if our first employees started one week after Lehman Brothers uh, collapse, and it was the beginning of the big 2008, 2009 great recession. Um, so the world was financially was not looking very good, but I was just like, you know what, this is important to me. It's something I believe in. Like life is short. I want to do what I, you know, I think this will be great. And, uh, it is a great, uh, it's the greatest thing I've ever done. Really? Oh yeah, absolutely. This has been amazing. Travel is a wonderful world. You find, I mean, talk about an industry that's just great. I mean, it, it's all these people that really, most people, I mean, you know, we all end up having to deal with commerce, for lack of a better term. We have to pay our bills. But at the heart of it, it's about, it is about this transformation. It's about what travel does to us. It's this lifelong learning, empathy, all those things is what it's about. And so it just, it has some of the best people I've ever met in it. We'll get back to the interview in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway, not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. 
Introducing the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude go to learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why. We're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Now, back to the show. What did the early days look like for you guys? Say the first year. Oh, it was, <laughs> I mean, it was honestly the thing I was most worried about at the beginning uh, was that it would launch and nobody would care, you know, that it wasn't, that it wasn't going to be any good. <laughs> and, uh, you know, fortunately, we had, like you say, we were able to attract people like Julia Cosgrove, our current editor in chief. Um, you know, that were really good at their jobs. And so right off the bat, um, the magazine was viewed as groundbreaking and excellent and amazing. So, um, you know, so that was so gratifying. Oh, God, oh well, thank God. At least we don't suck. <laughs> now I just have to figure out how to pay the bills. <laughs> we might lose all our money, but at least we don't yeah, suck. <laughs> exactly. There's something to that, though, isn't there? Yeah. 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 yeah you can put out something that you're proud of and uh, that you can stand behind that yeah, counts at least for then a if lot. you fail like you can go well you know at least it wasn't a total failure you know at least i delivered something that was good and so yeah then you know and the business side has been you know very challenging um like i say media is difficult in general enterprise particularly magazines and so of course we've evolved to be primarily a digital company which was a difficult path to try to find the way to digital success. And, you know, now we've gotten podcasts, you know, so we, we've had to evolve. Um, but we got a great team that really believes in the mission and, 
yeah, I've been very adaptive and flexible and, and entrepreneurial to making a success. The mission being travel is a force for good. It seems like that's one of the sort of core mission statements, I guess. is yeah. You want to explain a bit about them? We've talked touched on it a bit, but I don't know if you had, uh, like when you guys yeah. get together and well, talk about Yeah, well, we were, it is about, about trying to inspire people to travel in a, in a way that enriches their lives purposeful travel, but also that, you know, is about, well, of course it's not just about me. It's also about how do I impact the communities we're visiting and how are we, uh, and of course there's a cost on all of this. It's like there's environmental costs and how do we minimize those and, and maximize the positives. That's one of the million dollar questions right now, I'd say, in travel. Well, travel media specifically, when does travel media do more harm than good? I, I mean, when you encourage people just to be lemmings, <laughs> you know, uh, to just follow and, and not be conscious of the communities they're visiting and their impact on the planets, then I think it is negative, you know, or and also just like treating it as a as a, as just consumption, you know, like, you know, take a picture of yourself in front of the, whatever the site, suck whatever you can out of the community and leave. I mean, that's, that's, that's obviously when it's all about you and bragging rights or whatever, that's, that's not good. It's tough because trip lengths vary and, thinking about travel as a force for good, but also, as you mentioned, it can be harmful to the environment. and It can be devastating, yeah. This kind of ties back to the the morals and ethics that you studied for so long, right? I mean, there's just so much... I mean, thankfully, I think now more than ever, it's talked about in travel. And, um, and this is one of the things that we've tried to keep bringing up here on the show when we have these conversations. You know, you have a platform with a FAR, and I know you guys you know, you have your Vanguard Awards, you have different things that you do to bring attention to that stuff. And it seems to me that the media you create, there's an awareness around all of those issues. It's, it's not just ignored, it's discussed, it's, it's written about. What do you see as the biggest issues, let's say in travel media and tourism right now? And I mean, I guess you could talk specifically about what you guys are doing to, to kind of tackle that. But, you know, just generally, I mean, I think we're all kind of in this together, right? So... Yeah, just biggest issues and kind of what maybe we need to do as a collective of travelers uh, and explorers to kind of tackle those issues. We've been kind of talking afar about these things for since we launched, and and uh, it's it is so gratifying to see how the industry is evolving and really speaking about these things themselves, and is very concerned. And I just. In December, I went to uh, the WTTT, WTTC conference in uh, Riyadh, South uh, Saudi Arabia. Um, WTTC is the World Travel Tourism Council, which is basically the CEOs of all the major travel companies, the hotels, the airlines, cruise lines, etc. It was so amazing to hear all these CEOs get up on stage and basically be talking about one, both the power of travel uh, for positive, but also very 
mindful of its negative impact on communities and the environment when done, you know, when done wrong. And I had not heard that in so clearly by so many in the whole time we've been in the industry. So um, I actually think ironically, and this might surprise people, I actually think the industry leaders are probably ahead of the consumers in their consciousness. Uh, you always think industry leaders don't really care, but it's, it's it, I, when you think about it, it's really like if they're thinking long-term about their business, um, they have to, they have to know that one, if we're, if we're having a negative impact on the communities we're visiting, the, the communities are going to kick us out <laughs> or not. And, and two, if we're having a negative impact on the planet, they're going to, you know, we're ultimately not going to be able to travel. You know, they're going to, so they're all like, yes, we have to confront this. And, and it's actually consumers who are more kind of dragging more like, uh, it's one, it's complicated to figure out how to do it. And two, like, uh, I'm on vacation. I'll worry about it some other time. Do you see any big things happening, big systemic changes right now that are, you just look and say, oh, this is, this is definitely going in the right direction. I think things are moving quickly now. Of course, pressures are, are you know, also, you know, we, uh, certainly during we had COVID, of course, which shut down our industry and, and it gave all of us a chance to really think, well, hey, when it comes back, can, can we build it better? And, and I think a lot of that is in motion uh, and is happening. But of course, on the other hand, you know, there is the, you know, short termness still comes, you know, and money is, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, by the way, people are coming, let's just run with it, you know, and, and uh, so we just have to make sure we're not just recreating some of the problems we had before. And, and, um, but I, I, I do know we know better and I think people are trying, um, we just have to keep up the pressure. That's partly what we think our job is at afar. As an individual, an individual traveler, I mean, this is always a tough uh, thing to think about. You know, is there a time when you, you know, it's just better to stay home? Sure. Absolutely. No, I mean, it is. Do you have general rules I mean, for that? Or No, I don't. I don't. I don't. Have, I'm not a big, <laughs> I'm not a big rule, rule book person. Um, I, that kind of goes back to my ethics too, I suppose. Um, but I, I, I believe it's just purposeful. It's like everyone making a decision is, is, is this going to be a net positive for on the world, my trip? Um, and, you know, weighing all the pluses and minuses and saying, Hey, is, is, am I, is this trip going to be, you know, better for me and better for the world? Then if I don't make it, and if you can't say yes, stay home. It's it's so tough though, isn't it? I mean, if you <laughs> think about- I don't mean to talk it simple, but but at least if we're trying that, that's 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 a big part of the battle. Um, I mean, by the way, you could say that about everything. By the way, it's not just it's not just travel. I mean, we're consuming natural resources and having effects living at home. So it, you know, it's not 
you know, you don't have, we shouldn't live our life in fear either. I mean, <laughs> uh, we're just, we're just, we're just trying the best we can. Yeah. I mean, there's no easy answer to the question. I just curious about your thought. I mean, I think about your trip to India and thinking, you know, how that culminated in, into the whole idea that you have now with the FAR and, and that you guys are running and you've been able to make an impact with. And, you know, if you don't go on that trip, is that all just a race? This is where I always wonder, you know, travel leads to certain things. And I think at least in my head, you when you're weighing, I guess, the 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 cost benefit in terms of like actual costs and maybe environmental costs and the other things of a trip. Yeah, you know, I think some some trips you can have a good sense of like, okay, maybe coming out of this, they'll be in the big picture. This will lead to something else and it will offset the, like I said, let's say the negative impact of the trip. If there's a, you know, let's, let's say, you know, if we're talking about core negative impacts, like the emissions and that sort of thing. But I mean, yeah, it's, you know, the there's no, easy. you can never know. There's no, no way to know. So it's, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. But I mean, that's through every time you get in your car to go to the grocery store or whatever. I mean, you know, it, it's like, yeah. <laughs> and that's what I mean. You know, it's like, uh, we're anyway, being mindful, being conscious, trying the best we can. That's what it's all about. How do you think AI will change the industry? Wow. How do you think AI is going to change the world? I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you read Ezra Klein's art article uh, in the Times this week. Some people think it's going to just turn our world upside down in the next year. Uh, that you know, our machine's going to run the world. I don't know. That's <laughs> um, I'm flashes of like Schwarzenegger and the Terminator. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's a big one. I I do not know. It goes to like the answer, you know, is there a, you know, that's at least what I, you know, you go to, you go to AI and ask it a question to get an answer, you know, like, you know, and then like I say, I kind of like not a believer in one answer, you know, it's a believer. There's a lot of right answers and a lot of, you know, wrong answers. And it's like, that's part of what we do in life is, is try different things and experiment and learn. But is that a better way? I don't know. I'm I'm interested to I'm 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 looking forward to that exploration. But it is scary. It's scary, but it's also exciting. I'm still an optimist. I think we're I, I think we're gonna get better and be smarter and we'll use that for good. Sure hoping so. Yeah. I stumbled on a an AI where you it will create a podcast. You can pick the voice and everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to Bulgaria here uh, shortly. So I thought, well, let me just write, type in, make a podcast about travel tips to Bulgaria. Let me just see what this, let me see what this AI is made of. You know, I got to tell you, Greg, it was pretty generic. You know, they were like, you know, make sure you pack enough. I was like, all right, you know, the AI is not winning yet. <laughs> oh, oh, exactly. No, I mean, I've experimented <laughs> with it too. And, but it is on the other hand, I mean, like we've, I, we've asked it to write an article and, you know, and, and it's like, yes, it's no, it's no threat to us today, <laughs> but it's also like, wow, it's better than I would ever have expected. There's certainly not a threat today <laughs> to what you and I do, but, and I think, and I think we can use it as a way to make ourselves better. We'll it's going to be interesting to um, <laughs> see how things evolve over the next uh, few. It's just incredible how much things are changing. It's crazy. I have to get 
some business advice from you. I mean, you've built all these successful businesses and you've done it again. I don't know. I, have you ever failed at a business? Yes. <laughs> Can you talk about like one of your biggest failures that uh, that you've never shared before? Maybe you got <laughs> something's coming to mind. I can see it in your eyes. <laughs> well, I mean, by the way, there's failures every day. But yeah, right, <laughs> in business. Right. I mean, um, <laughs> by the way, you can't be a travel media company and gone through COVID without being humble. That was, <laughs> you know, basically having. I used to try to tell our team like you know, there's going to be a recession coming and we got to be prepared for it. And, um, you know, then we hit, hit COVID and, you know, travel stops, revenue goes to zero. Um, we weren't ready for that. And, and, but, you know, yes, I had a business that ultimately failed. It was a, we started an investment banking business when I was in my twenties, late twenties. And it basically failed. We were basically over levered and, not smart enough, but there's luck in all these things and, and, uh, circumstances sometimes align in your favor. Sometimes they don't. What are your thoughts on failure? Do you have like a relationship with failure? I mean, like you said, as a business owner, you kind of have to just battle through it all the time, but making mistakes and failure and that sort of thing. How do you view that? So, you know, an entrepreneur like yourself, you know, you, 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 you have a part of you that has to go through brick walls, you know, kind of ignore, you kind of have to ignore problems to some extent, you know, or charge through them, you know, <laughs> but on the other hand, you also have to go, all right, no, this one's, this one requires a diversion. <laughs> I have to, I have to go, I have to bounce off this one and go a different direction. And, and, and knowing the difference of like when to charge ahead and when to divert, and, you know, like I say, it's humbling. You, 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 sometimes you're wrong. Sometimes you're right. And, you just try to figure out what's core and what is non, you know, needs to be stuck with and what things you can change. And, uh, yeah, once again, it's not, I don't think there's always a right or a wrong answer. You just have to be willing to explore all the time. I'll do a little segment called your best advice. I need your best advice for a few different things here. I, I know you just pretty recently got together with your team, which is spread out. In, in, in or you guys were in Oregon for a week. That's right. Is if that's if I've done my research correctly. You're 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 amazing. wearing my Oregon shirt, by the way. <laughs> uh, nice. Yeah, uh, we're in Portland. Wonder- <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> Wonderful place. But this is leading to the question of managing a distributed team, working remotely. I, I, I want to hear your best advice for I suppose an individual working remotely that also wants to take advantage of that and and travel around and still get things done. And then we can go on the sort of company management side and ask about sort of how you guys manage a distributed team. By the way, we used to, I'll just go give you a little history. We used to be San Francisco and New York based. We had two offices, physical offices in both, both cities and probably 95% of our employees in those two uh, offices. COVID happened. Those are real cheap rents there, I heard. <laughs> those yeah. Cities. I, well, that, <laughs> yeah. So... We bought out both those leases when, you know, in the midst of the pandemic. You know, unfortunately, we shrunk as a, as a size of company down to about half our size. And then when things started coming back slowly, we started hiring again, bringing back some of the people that had left. And, and uh, we were like, okay, do we, are we going to go back to office? Or we're like, hmm, can't see that now financially, one, and two, like, 
by the way, our people that were in those cities largely dispersed too. So we're like, well, do we really want to hire people in the two most expensive cities in the world or two of the most? And uh, we said, no, our team basically was like, well, this frees us up to hire, you know, more diversity in all kinds of ways in different places. And so, yeah, we became very distributed, uh, which was exciting. And we were amazed at how well we were able to to operate as a business, not seeing each other every day, particularly like a magazine that, you know, you, we always thought was very much an in-person paper thing, but we produced it distributed. I think what's been key for us is, is we do have kind of this mission, this purpose of like why people believe in this. And, and so people have, like I say, we have an employee in Nairobi, we're employee in Singapore, we're employee in London. You know, we're we're all over the place, and people love that. It, it it makes our makes us better as a company in some sense to be a global media company. You know, about travel, it makes sense to have people all over the world. So it's fantastic. But of course, you know, the downside is well, there's a couple downsides. Is you know, fortunately, we had ten well, 13 years of history that created a culture that really helps drive it. But how do you, you know, there's relationships. How do you keep the love and the empathy, you know, that, that, you, that we had as in person virtually? And, and we're still learning on that and experimenting. And that's why we still get, we've always had company meetings where we get together once a year uh, in person. But now that time was even more important that we did that last year. Um, so back to your question, I guess, (laughs) what advice for employees? I mean, I think you do want to go ahead and, and, you know, it's great. Take advantage of that. You can work from anywhere. Uh, but also that, that, you know, you're out on a limb in some sense in that case. And just, and that's my thing is like, don't get exposed. You know, if you're getting stressed, remember to reach out to somebody and get help um, because, you know, that's, that's the thing is like I say, having people be alone is good, but they can also alone can also be a problem. And so, you know, if, if they, they've got to feel comfortable reaching out for help when they're struggling, whatever kind of struggle, work, emotional, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It must've been, yeah, pretty interesting to go from like a sort of we're seeing each other every day environment to not that. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, you have the built-in culture. It can be hard to manufacture culture through the internet. I really do think you have to get together in person and like you guys did in, in Oregon, have like these retreats or have these get-togethers and really solidify those bonds or keep them keep them strong. Yeah. I think so too. I mean, I'm old school. <laughs> so yeah, I, 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 I think it's very important to get together in person. I mean, I mean, that's by the way, that goes to travel. Like, by the way, it's like, can you travel virtually? Yeah, sure. You can. It's not the same, <laughs> but you can, you know, you can, you can see a place through your computer screen and, and uh, that you can do a lot of things, but it's not the same as face to face. What is your best advice for scaling a company? I mean, I, uh, two things, I guess, again, I think it's real important to have, you know, clear whys, what you're trying to do, why you're doing what you're doing, 
clear what you're trying to do and then have great people, you know, people, of course, are the key to it all. And, uh, how do you find great people? I think that why helps a lot. If you have a good why, mm, great you people can attract might them. be attracted to it. Mm. Being true to that and uh, being open to letting other people tell you how to do it better <laughs> or differently. Because they want to contribute. They don't want to, at least we're looking for people that aren't just looking to be told what to do, but are looking to help create the better way to do it. Yeah, that's always a great feeling. I'm just, you know someone's helping me out with something and just say, hey, just you're here because you're way smarter than me. So if you can just make this better, that'd be great. <laughs> what is your best advice for making sure your life is in balance, that you have time for yourself, your loved ones? How do you, you know, you mentioned being a type A. How do you do that? Huh. Do you um, do it? <laughs> I'm, I'm no expert in this, by the way. I, I think there's I don't think anybody is, but you know, it's, it's good <laughs> so, to hear kind of, I, mean, I like I'm to hear different to, perspectives yeah. on it, you know, but, so. um, I, I mean, I think you, you listen to your body, you listen to your soul. I'm mean, like, I say, if you start feeling anxiety, you start feeling tired, you start feeling ill, like examine that where to come from, ask your, you know, and like, okay, maybe it's time to back off. You know, uh, I mean, believe me, that's one of the big things I try to talk to our employees about, particularly since we're not together. It's like, I'm always costuming, like, take care of yourself. That's number one. If you're not taking care of yourself, you're not going to be, you know, this isn't going to work. <laughs> and, and uh, it's funny, you know, as a boss, it's normally like they say, you're going to be the other, like, you know, and of course we're very, you know, very objective driven. We're trying to achieve, uh, but, you, but, uh, we're, but when you get great people, you also have to tell them they need to take care of themselves. I'm not the one to tell you how to do that, but I'm the one to tell you you need to do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, is there anything you do for yourself to kind of protect your time? Or do you have like certain practices or, or things that you do? I'm not one of those, uh, as you can probably tell, uh, just... I'm not one of those big rule persons. I don't like, you know, I close my computer at a certain time and I don't, you know, I don't open my device. I'm not, I'm not that. I do do that, but it's not the same thing all the time. Like I'll go a weekend, I'll go, you know what, I'm not, I'm off unless it's an emergency or whatever, you know, I, but it's not like I have it all the time. It's, it's very much, I try to be adaptive. I mean, <laughs> based off of the circumstances and listen to myself and like, I'm going to go, Hey, I'm tired. I need to shut it down. I do it. So I, I mean, I, that's about the third time I've talked about rules. And so I'm going to go back to the ethics thing because it's so like, you're, you're an anarchist, I guess. Well, is that, is that what it comes down a to? A scofflaw. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in, like in philosophy, there's, there's basically three things you study, you know, there's meta ethics. Is there such a thing as ethics? It, ethics is, you know, if there is such a thing as ethics, what are the rules and then there's applied ethics is applying those rules, say, to biology or to, you know, medical world or something. But so let's go to the middle one, the ethics, if there are, what are the rules. And so there's basically also three, I can't believe I'm getting into this, but there's also three basic things like uh, precepts of what, where, the, where the rules are going to be around. What, how do you judge whether something's good or bad? And so there's uh, consequentialism, you know, based off of the, the results of your act you know, the consequences. Then there's ones based off the principle of your act. 
And then there's ones based off of your mindset at the time you act, you know, and so there's been various philosophers make rules in each one of those categories, but we've all discovered none of them work perfectly well. (laughs) You know, that's why we don't have, there is no, there is no rule book. (laughs) And, and it's like, so we all, you know, all those things matter. (laughs) You know, what was the principle involved, you know, or what was, how does it, how did it affect the people? How did my act affect the people? And by the way, what was my mindset when I did it? All those things matter. Um, And there's just no clear answer. So, but we try the best we can with all those things. And we, we see the way other people answer those questions. And we go, yeah, I like that. I'm going to try to do what that person did or what that society did. We'll get back to the interview in just a moment. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press. But I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago. And immediately, I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks. So they also make an exceptional gift. Thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever Zero to Travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me. Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Now, back to the show. I want to get into some destination talk, but I, I, I'll ask you one more best advice for question, and that's going to be for <laughs> working in the travel industry. For anybody listening who wants to work in the travel industry. Wow. Uh, to get into the industry? Or I, I guess or once uh, they're in it, or what's the question? Yeah, I, I mean, it can it can be both. I guess just your your yeah your best advice for get, let's say breaking into the travel industry or you know finding finding a place in it and and working in it. Um, well, first I just encourage them to get in it. it is, like I said, I think it's it's got of all the industry. I've worked in a few different fields. I just think the people are the best. And, um, they're in general, very open and inclusive and they're trying to live the life the best they can and, and, uh, grow and et cetera. So it's just, and I think that bring that spirit to it (laughs) and, and show that you also care, um, and you're, you'll be welcomed (laughs) and take advantage of it, of, getting to know those people and and when you get when you travel you you know you 
your purpose, it's easier to be purposeful because uh, you're now an insider. You can help figure out how to do, you know, have the right kind of trip that has an impact both on yourself. That's what good and good on the, on the communities you're visiting. Okay. A little, little bit about destinations and then I'll let you go about your day here shortly. So, so hang with me. Thanks for taking on my barrage of questions. <laughs> okay. So the doorbell rings and there's a huge package on your front doorstep and it's a teleportation device and you can use it for a day. What do you do? Where do you go? I'm talking, you can teleport anywhere in the world and have breakfast. You can do something in the afternoon, some kind of activity, have some lunch, go somewhere and have some dinner. What does your day look like? <laughs> it's a ridiculous question, I know. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> but I, well, I, thought, I thought you might be able to take us around the world a little bit with this one. <laughs> oh. Well, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't know if I can literally answer that, but I'll, I'll answer it as best I can. You know, I first think about, okay, well, where, I mean, I, where to go? You know, and, and um, probably my favorite thing to do is go somewhere I've never been. You know, and of course, in some sense, by the way, you're always doing that because no place is ever the same. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, so, but that's kind of the spirit. It's like, okay, I want to go somewhere new, experience something new. And, and then, So where, where and, is that? Oh, God. I mean, like, you, you have You have to pick one. You only got the, the device for a day, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, so you're gonna, where am I going first? Yeah. I mean, so by the way, I, one, of the th one of the first things we did with Afar, uh, one of our most famous features was called Spin the Globe. And that's what we, we, you know, we would do that. We would, we had a globe and we'd spin it and, you know, put a finger on a spot and we'd, we'd send a writer there um, without any notice, uh, basically. And, you know, we'd go ahead and buy their ticket to that place we wouldn't tell them anything until basically we gave them their, you know, their ticket and then they would go. And, and, and it is that, and, you know, it goes to, it's kind of two things about that is one, any place in the world can be fascinating and you can grow from. And two, sometimes itineraries get in the way of experience. You know, you're so much like, Oh, what am I going to do? It's like, oh, just go there and figure it out. Kind of like I, we did in India. And so I, I'm a big believer in that. Like, it's just a journey and just go. <laughs> and and uh, that's what I do, I think. I'd spin the globe and just land somewhere and just the first person I met, I'd just start talking to them and figure out where that takes me. But I, I do say we do the other two, like the more, you know, the other way is if, well, if you have, you know, sometimes it's, that's good sometimes. Sometimes you actually want to have a deep dive and like so is there some way to really get in and give yourself a really like i say deep dive into that place because of somebody or some activity uh and so like yeah th that's another way i travel a lot is if if there's if i there's somebody or something that i can go do that i think is going to give me deep insights or some you know some impact that's going to be very um, transformative or whatever, very impactful, then that's a reason to go, uh, if that makes sense. So those are, those are two big ways I, I look at it. And then I guess the other thing I like to do when I think about is, is, is this destination, 
what's going on there at the moment. And, you know, I, I, I do like to go to places, what I call a moment in time. And of course, everything's always a moment in time, but, you know, real pronounced, you know, I, I went to Egypt right in the, right, right as in their revolution. Uh, I went to, you know, Puerto Rico right after Hurricane Maria. I went to Iran right as, right as that looked like that was opening up in 2015, 16. I, yeah, I like to look at like a moment and like, hey, is this place about to change radically? Going to Cuba, right, right as it was opening in what was that, 2011, 12. So yeah, those kinds of things I like to look for. Yeah, are there any places that come to mind right now in this moment of time that you would think would fit the bill for a trip like that? I mentioned at the beginning of this that I went to Riyadh, Saudi Arabia in December fascinating you know and by the way we we wrote about it and we had many people write back very unhappy with us that we were traveling to and talking about traveling to saudi arabia obviously uh their government has done some outrageous things and still doing some outrageous things um but I believe travel is also going to change that place for the better. Anyway, back to the moment in time there. This was a country, you know, it's got 36 million Saudi Arabians um, that had largely been closed off to travel for the last 100 years or so. You know, basically it had uh, Muslims that could travel for Hajj and then it had some business travel. But in general, leisure travel was totally restricted to this country and it's been largely closed and most people don't know much about Saudi Arabia for all that for all of that and it is trying to become all of a sudden like turn itself overnight into one of the most open for travel communities they're trying to go from 20 million visitors a year which most of those are on Hajj to 100 million a year by 2030 building all the infrastructure and all that to make it happen, you know, value judgment aside, whether that's good or bad or whatever, that's what's happening. The place is being transformed. Women couldn't drive a car, couldn't go to the same restaurant as you and me, or all of a sudden, you know, given new rights, it's just changing quickly. And that's fascinating. So yeah, I, I thought it was a it was good to go there, and I'm 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 interested in going back. Are there one or two places that you've been where your expectations were maybe just low or non-existent, and then you were blown away? I mean, yes, for sure. I try to go with few expectations in a sense. I mean, by the way, that's kind of like I say. We try to say travel with an open mind and a curious heart or a curious mind and an open heart either they're both the same having too many preconceptions is what you don't want to do right uh, because that's so um so I, I i'm constantly surprised i suppose um i you know i mentioned i went to iran um in 2015-2016 i was very surprised by that visit you know, one, I expected, I suppose, you know, I'd known about the sanctions and, you know, you see the images you see on TV. I mean, I was around in 79 when 
all, the Iran hostage crisis happened and, you know, death to America and all of that. And so one, it was like, first of all, the place was more modern and vibrant and happening than I ever would have expected. That was one where part of why I went was a fellow friend kind of introduced me to a, somebody who lived there and uh, he picked me up, took me first on a motorcycle with, there were three of us on the motorcycle driving through the streets of Duran and then got me on a bus and basically announced to people that he had this American on the bus and everybody, I mean, people, <laughs> some people thought I was a, a jerk because I was from America and some people thought I was amazing because I was from America. Like they go, um, so I don't know where I'm going with this, but they very, a lot of very well-educated, very open-minded people. And then of course, a lot of people that were, you know, had their, their experiences taught them to be afraid of us, you know, to think ill of us. So it was, that it, it, it was amazing. The encounters, the people you meet when you're traveling, I'm just wondering if there's a, a person or a, a, I guess an experience or a, a small act of kindness that you were shown, let's say out on the road somewhere that, that sticks with you that you'll never forget. Uh, oh, many, but I, <laughs> I'll go, but I will go, I'll go to one actually that I, I don't know if I've ever even talked about. This would have been 2001, 2002. I was actually, this was back when I, when I really, like I say, I wouldn't say I was an afar traveler. I was not an experiential traveler. I was, I, this was the days when I, like I say, I went, I was going to uh, Switzerland for go skiing with a friend. And um, we, we were going right after Christmas, the day after Christmas. And um, we went to Zermatt and uh, we had our skis and we, we, we I, this was kind of a spin the globe. I didn't have any plans. I didn't have any hotel reservations. We just showed up at eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night and started walking around that you don't have the car, You have to check your cars, at Zermatt. It's a walking town. And so we're carrying our stuff going from hotel to hotel. Um, and it was fully booked, fully booked, fully booked. And, you know, it got to be like midnight, you know, this one clerk at a hotel, saw my eyes, you know, just get really sad. Like, Oh my God, this is what is going to happen. And she said, you know what? You're you and your friend can come stay at my place. And we're like, what? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, she invited us to her home. Um, and yeah, we ended up staying there for three nights and, uh, yeah, it, it really was kind of the beginning of that, like, oh, wow. It's like I saw saw things I never would have seen if I'd stayed at a hotel and and just gone skiing and partying and the like, which I was what it was my original plan, you know. <laughs> and it started like, oh, wow, if you really, really tried to understand, meet these people and understand them, it's an amazing experience. Mm. Kind of like opened up a whole other style of travel in a way, yeah. it sounds like, yeah. Amazing. 
We can end on that. I can let you go about your day now, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> I have more questions, but I can, I can save them for another time. <laughs> well, I don't know if I have many more answers. I don't know that I had any answers, but <laughs> I, I certainly enjoyed talking with you. Thank you for, oh, thank you for this. I hope, it's so uh, nice to hear. Thank you. Yeah, no, I really appreciate the work you guys are doing at Afar. And of course, I'll leave the, the links to all of the things in the show notes here. But like I said, I'm a, I'm a fan of the narratives and the, the storytelling and your approach to travel. And I uh, appreciate what you guys are doing for the travel well, industry. We're, we're big fans of yours stuff. too. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. I look forward to hopefully uh, staying in touch. And, and hey, you mentioned wanting to come through Norway. You said it's been on your list for a while. So here, here we are. You I would come, love Come that. here, man. We'll do a I sauna. Actually, uh, <laughs> I, I'm down. You would be careful what you wish for. I'm the kind that will do it. <laughs> hey, I mean, we got we got places to crash over here. You know, we're all good. Thanks again for your time and appreciate it and look forward to staying in touch, Greg. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Jason. All right. All right. Take care. Bye. There you have it. Special thanks once again to Greg Sullivan for stopping by the show and the team at Afar for helping to arrange this conversation. Before I let you go, I do want to share a couple things. My number one takeaway from this chat, got a little public service announcement for you, something that can help you avoid losing free travel. And I'll leave you with a nice quote first. This takeaway, Greg mentioned this a few times during the chat where he said he just showed up somewhere and just started talking to people. And that is a great reminder. I know we all do that as travelers. We want to meet locals. We want to put ourselves out there. But just that concept of showing up and just starting to talk to people can really open things up on any adventure right away. And I've really found this when I arrive in a new country or a new place. If there's a time where I arrive and I'm just sort of tired and closed off, usually I end up getting to the hostel or the hotel or wherever I'm staying and kind of like grabbing the map. And maybe it's a little more of an introverted experience, kind of figuring things out, diving into my own head of what I want to do and stuff like that. Whereas sometimes I arrive and I just start talking to people, as Greg mentioned, and it just opens things up right away. It really does. And, and no matter how tired you are, or how jet-lagged or annoyed because you're wandering around and you can't find a place to stay, <laughs> or whatever the case is, that idea of showing up and just starting to talk to people I think is a good one and was my takeaway from this interview that I wanted to share with you. Now, a quick public service announcement. I put this out on my newsletter last week. You can sign up for that over at zerototravel.com. And... The theme of the newsletter was staycations because I had just recently taken a road trip with my kids. It was my first solo trip. I'm using solo in air quotes. My first solo trip that I took with my kids where it was just them and me and we were on our own for a weekend and it was awesome. <laughs> it was so great. But one of the reasons why we ended up going to Fredrikstad, which is a wonderful town in Norway, only about an hour and a half from Oslo, really perfect, not too far away yet felt a world away in some ways. And one of the reasons why we ended up there is not just the proximity to where I live, but also I had some expiring airline miles with SAS that needed to be used. And 
what I did is I went in and I started searching around. I wasn't going to use them for a flight. It wasn't enough for a flight, but it was enough to find a hotel room. And I found <laughs> the cheapest, least amount of miles I could use and afford hotel room, which was really a camping place that had rooms that also had shared bathrooms and a mini golf course and, and like a little activity village there, but it was perfect. It was perfect. It had just bunk beds, very basic, had a small refrigerator nothing fancy. Didn't have to use a ton of miles for it, but really was the experience I was looking for. And it was, it was wonderful. It was kind of like the hostel experience, like the shared kitchen and all that, but nothing fancy. And that was great. It was perfect. We didn't shower. We ate pizza and tons of snacks and went to cafes and playgrounds and a model train museum and... (laughs) We just had a blast, took all the cheesy tourist pictures and everything like that. But my public service announcement is this. Well, I can actually give you two. But the first one is, if you're somebody that collects points and miles and exchanges them for free travel, don't forget to check and make sure that your points aren't expiring or your miles aren't expiring or you don't have any that are expiring soon. If you do, use them. So the announcement is go check and make sure you don't have any points or miles that are expiring because if you do, you better use them up. A couple ways to do that. One, you can just manually log in and check your accounts. And if you have any expiring points, may I suggest you add that to your calendar so you don't forget you can add a date on the day before they're expiring so you have a last minute warning. And I usually add two more. I add one six weeks prior to that so I can actually use them and plan the trip, six to eight weeks. And then another one a couple weeks before that date, just in case I forget. So do that. And you can also use apps. There's apps like Tripid and Award Wallet, which is one that I've used, where you can actually track all your points and miles in one place. So those are convenient. So those are a couple ways you can just make sure you're not giving up and missing out on free travel that you should be getting. If you've spent all this time, months, perhaps years, accruing miles and points, don't forget to make sure to check because some of those do expire and you're going to want to use them up. So there you go. The second public service announcement, if we want to do two here, and then I'll leave you with a quote, is to take a staycation. Now, I know some people define staycations as just staying at home and and treating it like a vacation. I'm talking about a staycation that is within a reasonable day drive of where you live. If you haven't done it in a while, I'll throw that out as a challenge. Take a staycation and you might find that you don't have to travel very far to get that feeling of travel. I know we often dream about the big trips and the destinations and the gap years and all the different things we have going on. But the meeting locals and seeing new things and getting lost and getting that travel feeling, that freedom of the road, that little buzz we get when we're out on the road, you can get that just right close to home. You know, we went to a cafe over that weekend and the woman working at the cafe just, you know, she runs the cafe. She's just kind of working, whatever. Started chatting with her and turns out she had once driven a car from Norway to Iraq. (laughs) What are the chances? I mean, I don't know. Do I have like travel podcaster written all over my face where people just tell me these things? (laughs) I don't even know how that came out in conversation, but the small interactions, one of the greatest joys of travel. Okay, let me leave you with a quote. Speaking of meeting strangers 
and interactions. This is a great one from William Butler Yeats, who said, There are no strangers here, only friends you haven't yet met. And I feel the same about this Zero to Travel podcast community. There are no strangers here, only friends you haven't yet met. Perhaps we will meet one day in the near future. I hope so. Thanks for listening. And thanks for your time today. I'll see you next week. Cheers and peace and love to you and yours. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.